This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk a little Utah jazz basketball. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only David Locke. What's going on, David? Not much. How are my buddies doing today? What are you guys up to? Oh, man, we're just uh, bickering about uh, one thing or another, David. Same as usual. Well, that's good. (laughs) How about you? Did you go skiing today? Did you get that fresh pow? Uh I got like six runs in, and otherwise I've been busy on various work things all day. So I did not get a I, – I did, but I spent more time in the parking lot working than I did skiing. Well, six is better than zero, buddy. And plus, right, you've got that, that – that, uh, that was my thought. You've got that new suite set up too. So, you know, That's you're exactly. set up well. Right. That, so, my David, portable I, office. I have a question about that. When you ski, is it purely for pleasure – or is it to get a good workout into? Well, I think, I mean, it's what I enjoy more than anything in the whole world. And so I like, so it's got to be for pleasure because, I, I mean, I truly like the, the, the actual ski turn sensation of it being outside everything. There's nothing in the world that I like more. Um, and it's actually not even really close. Um but I think I'm aware that I'm at least getting some workout in, but like I'll come home usually and do something else also. Um, Cause I don't think it's quite enough. Well, certainly no cardio, but I telemark ski. So I'm at least doing a lunge turn every single time. So I'll usually do a little core upper body or something like that. You know, David, I think that's so cool that when people have a passion for something beyond just work or, or family or, you know, those are important things, but to have something like that, you love that much. What a gift that is. Well, I told my wife when we got married. So you could have married an alcoholic. You didn't. You could have married a drug addict. You didn't. You could have married, like, a shopping fiend. You didn't. I have a ski addiction. The impact is very similar to the aforementioned items. It'll cost us lots of money. I'll make bad decisions (laughs) based on getting more ski runs. You will feel abandoned because of it. And I will continue to pursue it with endlessly without anything getting in my way. So it's very similar to all of those other things I just mentioned. It just seems a little healthier. <laughs> all right, David, let's get into the jazz a little bit. And I've been trying to th- think about the best way to word this question, and hopefully I, I do all right and make some sense. I don't but... care about the fourth quarter. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what I want to ask. No. Uh, I want to ask about this. So, you know, there's some comparisons to the Warriors a little bit with the Jazz, and I don't want to go overboard, but I that that old Warriors team used to pile up a bunch of points in a short amount of time. They'd have these bursts where they'd, they'd just be unstoppable offensively, and we've seen that at times with this Jazz team, right? We saw it a little bit in the first half. We certainly saw it against Dallas. We saw it against New Orleans, where all of a sudden these spurts of of these threes going down and all these points going up on the board. And I guess my question to you is, what's the connective tissue in those moments? What usually is happening when those spurts occur? So we're, right now, we're a top five offensive team and a top five defensive team in the NBA. I believe we're the only team in the league that's that. 
So when both of them click in at the same time, it's pretty outrageous. That's what the war, you know, the warrior comparison, the old Bulls great team comparisons, that's the comparison is that when you're in the top five in the league in both categories, You'll go on some subtle runs where you just get hot offensively and outscore someone 17 to 12 and you're up five. You'll go on some defensive runs where your offense is only okay and you outscore someone 12 to four and it's like, okay, no big deal. And then every now and then they both happen. And when they both happen, that's when we go on the runs. And we, have, we are now, what was it, 12 or 13 and 0 in 21 games when we go on a 10-0 run. So the other thing that's happening is once we go on one of those runs, because we are a top five team in both offensively and defensively, and because we have what I always talk about is 240 minutes of quality NBA basketball on the floor, uh, 240 is 48 times five. It's your full rotation is NBA caliber minutes. And we have that right now. And so when that happens, then it's really hard to come back against us when you're behind because of the fact that we're not giving you any five or ten minute stretch where you can go do the same thing to us because we, because the the roster that's been built has enough, you know, despite having three undrafted players in that eight, uh, is able to make you know is able to be solid NBA minutes from all or excuse me three of the nine of the nine guys that are playing. So David, I have a very primary question for you, and I'm sorry if I. Uh offend you with its uh, simplicity. But I had a conversation with Grayson Allen when he first came to the Jazz, and he said that one of the things he had to adjust to was if he took a three-point shot, it was to bust his butt to get back on defense as opposed to following the shot. It seems as though now the Jazz are crashing those offensive boards, and I love it with those sequences when they get three, four rebounds and then the ball goes in, and what an advantage that is. Is that a change in philosophy with Quinn? And is the fact that uh, Jake and I were talking about the Euro foul and how that stops the opponent from getting a fast break the other way, are those things related? All right, so I never thought about them being related, so that's fascinating. Nice job, Gordon. Um, Jake's going to get the answer to this question right because I think he listens to the radio broadcast. Jake, <laughs> you know doing? what's interesting about the Euro foul? It's illegal in Europe, David. Thank you. <laughs> um, That's what he said. He said you said that. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, Jake, Donovan Mitchell, catch and shoot. Best in the league. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, there's a few reoccurring themes every night on our broadcast, so might as well stay with them. Um, the Jazz made a off-season hire that did not get a lot of publicity. They hired Sergi Olivia, I think is his name, from the Philadelphia 76ers. And he is an analytics-based coach. And what's interesting about that is we have analytics departments in the league and we have coaching staffs in the league, but we have very few people in the league who are able to look at analytics give them to a coaching staff in a teachable, coachable manner that then the coaches can take to the players and implement, right? Like, it's one thing to say, like, oh, we need more, like I always say, we needed more catch-and-shoot threes. You How many obnoxious times have I said that? Like, but I don't have any idea, like, how we get more catch-and-shoot threes. I just knew that we needed more catch-and-shoot threes 
And, um, you know, and it turns out that that's, you know, the fact of the matter is that we, we've totally figured that out. You know, we figured that out. They coach it. There has been a tremendous amount of research that's been done, and you've actually heard me talk about this a little bit on the air. Because um, I did some of it not at the level that Serge Olivia has done it, but I, I was aware that this was going on. So Doc Rivers and Greg Popovich a few years ago decided that we weren't shooting threes anymore. Excuse me, they weren't offensive rebounding anymore. That transition defense was more important. And so if you go look at the Clippers and the Spurs over the last few years, they were last in the league in offensive rebounding. However, while this was going on, and it made all the sense in the world, and it was two of the best coaches in the league that were all saying, like, well, we don't offensive rebound because we got to get back in transition, and that's more important. And it is more important. The sing- and, and the premise of it is correct. The single number one thing you have to do in defense is get them into the half court. The, the points per possession difference between transition and half court is dramatic. So the premise of this entire discussion, that if I do not offensive rebound and I send everybody back, I will be better in defense because of the fact that I will be in transition, that I will be in half-court defense, was universally accepted. And after about five years' worth of data, a bunch of people have realized it's, not, it's, it's actually not true. There is no correlation that can be found, at least in my research, and I don't know what Serge Olivia did, but I, I know that he came from a group that believed this, there is no correlation between high offensive rebounding teams being bad transition defensive teams. There, I can't find correlation between high offensive rebounds and fast point, fast break points allowed. I can't find correlation between high offensive rebounding and bad teams after a miss. Like the core, it just, it, I didn't find it in all my research. So, I'm certain that other people in the league have found the same thing. And then when you start to do the math on what the value of an offensive rebound is, right? So, okay, well, then the flip side is, okay, if that's not true, then what we're doing better be worth it, okay? Well, points off offensive rebounds are super high in the league because it's actually the best way to get a kick out open three. And the catch-and-shoot three is one of the most efficient shots in the game. So you're either on an offensive rebound getting a dunk or getting a kick-out three. And so all of a sudden, points off an offensive rebound, I don't remember what it is, but I'm going to guess it's about 1.3. Well, okay, that's and that's 1.3 off a possession that was at that point in time a zero, right? Right, that's key point here. You've missed the shot. You're now at a zero on that possession. So it's 1.3 points of value. If you keep someone out of transition, maybe there's a value, but let's say transition is 1.2 points and half court's 0.9. Well, that's 0.3. So for every offensive rebound you get at 1.3 points per possession, I'm getting really geeky here. I really apologize. But for every offensive rebound you get that's a 1.3 point possession off your zero, you the cost is, you better get beat in transition about four times to make those equal. Uh, and the teeter-totter is now on the side of offensive rebounding. Even Mike Budenholzer, a Popovich disciple in Milwaukee, is now offensive rebounding. 
David Locke is with us. Uh, his interview, by the way, brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, uh, the Jazz certainly have some good wins this year. There's no doubt about it. And in that streak, in, uh, including Denver. Hey, Jake. Yeah. Is Gordon awake? I think Gordon's with I'm us. Here. I, don't, I, I don't know. I, 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 I am here. I can hear him breathing. You're, so not, you're not doing the Nisalki dot not up when I get deep into the numbers? <laughs> he could. <laughs> no, he I could like – I actually – you know, David, you know I'm not a huge analytics guy, but I, I find it fascinating. I, 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 the, the thing that scares me a little bit is when you say that based on analytics for five years, somebody drew a certain conclusion, and then they found out later that that wasn't correct. You know, that that's a little mind-blowing, but anyway – and I don't know if my five-year number is exactly right, but there is now enough. Like, you actually the, – the pop thing has been going on long enough that we now actually have enough data to be able to look at that. Well, what do you think – let me – since I, you brought up – let me follow up with that. The, the, this, this fouling on the fast break so that, the, you know, transition advantages aren't taken advantage of, I, I guess the one problem with that is it, it might get yourself into the uh, the – bonus uh, your opponent into a bonus situation quicker but that that Dude, does like, seem really, to work if I, if I, yeah i mean when i watch it it seems like a smart thing to do you know what's wrong with it is it's awful for the game that's what jake said <laughs> it's awful for the game like it, they're gonna get rid of it it's gonna go away it'll be interesting i think it'll have, you know quinn kind of, i actually blame quinn for this like, I think Quinn brought it to the NBA. I, I'd have to go back and look and see if somebody else brought it first. But to me, Quinn brought it to the league um, from his time in Moscow. And, and you know, it makes sense. And then – but it's, you know, it's – there's nothing more – you know, the most boring play in the NBA is free throws. The second most boring play in the NBA is a side out of bounds in the half court with the defensive set. And the most exciting play in the NBA is a fast break. So you're taking the most exciting play and either turning it into the most boring play or the second most boring play. So it's illegal in Europe to do that? What do they yeah, do? Do they, they allow, extra free throws? They don't, they don't allow it in Europe. I've heard a rumor that a certain national writer of – at a major outlet is going to write a piece with the intention of getting the Euro foul banned from the NBA. Last thing for me real quick, David, what can we learn about the jazz during this difficult stretch in February? Um, I, I think just, I mean, every day they, I mean, I think I've learned what I need to learn. Um, they're one of the four best teams in the NBA. The other three are all in their conference. Um, so I just think, you know, all of, all they, you know, all you can, um, as, as best you can, you know, just keep playing that way. I mean, the thing will be interesting is if somehow we can't get 40% of our shots off as threes anymore, like if someone figured it out, but they would, I think they would have figured it out by now. Um, anytime, like we play Indiana on this stretch, they've always had our number physically. They're a different coach team, but that's always an interesting one to me. They've had our, they've had our juice a little bit. Um, so, I mean, you know, switching defenses and physical defenses are the two things we have a problem with and popping bigs to some extent, but I don't really think we have a problem with popping bigs. I think we have a problem with the MVP. 
All right. Well, since you brought up the physical opponents, David, uh, is this something that – how do the Jazz overcome facing a physical opponent? I don't know that we have – I mean, you just have to be really forceful and cut and do all the best things you possibly can do. Um, so, um, I, 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 you know, we're not the most athletic group, right? I don't, I don't know that we can match that. Um, moment for moment. So um, that that would be, you know, we we're not perfect. I'm not trying to be like like we're not perfect, right? Um, so I think that's um, that's the one thing I would I would say we're not, you know, we're good, but let's understand that we can have we, we we're allowed to have a weakness. We might be a 60, 60 plus win team, and we'd still have a weakness or two. David, thank you very much as always. We'll uh, look forward to the broadcast tomorrow. My pleasure. Thanks, buddy. It's our friend David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. His uh, interview brought to you each and every week by our good friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. Uh, Joining us now, hanging out with us in studio, which we always enjoy, our good friend Mike from Any Hour Services. We're talking. We're talking about something that's uh, quite controversial in in this break, the thermostat. Yeah, the the, the subject of many marital uh, dispute, the thermostat. So once and for all, is there an ideal setting for uh, efficiency, so to speak? Well, yes and no. <laughs> uh, there's always an ideal when you've got a result that you're trying to achieve. Here's the thing, though. What are you trying to accomplish with your adjustment of the thermostat? Are you trying to achieve comfort or are you trying to save money or are you trying to save your marriage? So like, <laughs> if, if it's if it's comfort, I mean, you've got this heating and cooling system to be comfortable. And that's going to be different for everyone. Like, I mean, my wife and I, that's why the debate and the marital issues come up is that I run a lot hotter than my wife does. And she's hotter than me, ironically. But I, you know, so she likes it uh, warmer in the house and I like it cooler in the house. Uh, but if you're trying to save money, which I think is what a lot of people are asking when they're saying, what's the optimal uh, setting, obviously as low as you can go is is going to save you more money. What I tell people a happy medium is pick a temperature that you're comfortable with and then start by bumping it down a couple of degrees because you're probably not going to notice that big of a difference in comfort and it will save you a little bit of money because your furnace is going to run less. Let's talk of efficiency though. Yeah. Does it make it more efficient if you turn it down? Uh, no, I mean you are spending less money because you're running it less. But if you have an eighty percent furnace, you can't make it more efficient hmm. than eighty percent. Right now, as far as efficiency goes, you know when you install it every year that it goes by with all the vibration and the heat and the expansion and stuff like that, it does get less efficient over time. So there are some things that you can do to try and get it back to that uh, you know original efficiency. But the only way to increase efficiency of your system is when you replace it to get a higher efficiency system but you will save money uh you know running your thermostat or running your furnace less all right like i i have a question for yes, you real sir. quick about that mm-hmm. some people turn their their uh, thermostat down really low at night uh and then they have to heat their house back up in the in the morning when there's activity does it cost more to reheat it or does it cost more just to keep it at a, at a more sort of moderate temperature you know what that's a huge debate even amongst technicians and you know we know you don't like data 
and you know statistics and things <laughs> like that. But you know the the technicians will start quoting all kinds of data because there is one argument that says that you're better off keeping the house at a regular temperature so that when you come home uh, or at a more moderate temperature so that when you come home it's not having to work as hard to get it uh, back up to that level you're comfortable with. But then there's another you know po point that says like no it doesn't matter and they both like make good arguments and I that's where that's getting way too far in the weeds for my taste like just do what you think's right <laughs> that makes sense just do what you think's right i like that uh and or do what your wife says <laughs> there's, there's yeah, probably that's more, more, like it, right? more good advice uh but uh, everybody's gonna like the deal you've got today because you're saving folks a lot of money Absolutely. Um, so we talked about maintenance, and that's actually uh, a good way to help get your furnace back to as close as the, to that original efficiency um, as you can. And so what our tune-up technicians do is they actually go through the system top to bottom. Um, there are some maintenance and inspection items that the manufacturers recommend you have a professional look at. And really the only reason they want a professional look at them is because they have the right tools, they've got the right training, they know what things to look for and what's in and out of you know working order. And so we document all that and give you a, a report and let you know what's going on with it. Normally 99 bucks, but tonight Zone listeners can lock in a $70 savings uh, and get this tune-up done for only 29 bucks. There's still plenty of winter left. Call and schedule this for whenever's most convenient for you, but if you want to save that money and get this done for 29 bucks, you need to call tonight. Get on the books tonight, people. 801-443-7400. Uh, You're going to save 70 bucks on a 34-point furnace tune-up. It's a $99 value. You heard Mike only 29 bucks, and he's probably going to get in trouble for that price, so you should probably take advantage of it. Get on the books before 6 tonight, 801-443-7400, 801-443-7400, any hour services. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of uh, your day. Thanks to David Locke for jumping on the show, as he does every single Wednesday. It's brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Group. Gordon, I, uh, uh, I asked David this question, but let me run it, run it by you. And um, here's, uh, here's the jazz schedule over the month of February, okay? Okay. Uh, you, they've got Atlanta on Thursday on the road, on Friday at Charlotte. So both certainly manageable games. Back-to-back's not a lot of fun, but, you know, you would think the Jazz would win both those. Then starts this run at Indiana, uh, which the Pacers are good, even though they're getting thumped by the Bucks right now. But uh, Indiana's not bad. Then Boston, then Milwaukee, then Miami, then Philly, then two games at L.A., uh, the Clippers, uh, then Charlotte at home, the Lakers at home, at Miami and rounding out the month at Orlando. I mean, that is as tough a stretch as I've seen the Jazz play over a, like an entire month. And maybe I'm missing some stretches in there somewhere, but that's pretty brutal. I mean, you're playing the Lakers and Clippers uh, between those two teams a total of three times. And those are, you know, I think the, right now the two best teams in the league and maybe you throw the Jazz into that combo too. But then Milwaukee, which is one of the best teams in the East, Boston as well. Uh, Miami's underachieving, but you play them twice, and they're certainly dangerous. And Philly, who's got the best record in the East, so I mean that is a stretch. So my question to you is, what can we? What do you expect to learn one way or another uh, in the month of February? 
It's uh, it's it's a good question. Uh, I, I think it's pretty simple when you think about it. First of all, when Charlotte and Orlando, Charlotte and Orlando are the only semi uh, <laughs> easier games there, right? Easier, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that, you know you're on the road against Orlando. Um, I think people are eager to know whether the Jazz can be a great team as opposed to a really good team. And great teams beat tough competition. And sometimes in the NBA, I mean, every every night, like we talked about before they played Detroit, every night is tough at some level. I mean, you heard Quinn talk about that after the game last night. And and it's true to some extent. That's not some sort of uh, uh, just just – idle chatter it's it, it is true it's tough to win in that in that league i remember talking to jerry sloan about that and he he he, he just emphasized that time after time after time with those great jazz teams everybody just sort of expected them to win but it's not easy it's not easy in fact he he went through stretches where he didn't know whether his team would ever win again it seemed like uh, that's the way he felt about it anyway but i want to see what the jazz can do against the better teams in the league because they're going to play a better team in the league in the playoffs. And that's what this is preparation for. That's all the regular season is really good for, other than entertainment, is to prepare for the season that really matters. And so when we see the Jazz win 11 straight, what does that mean? Uh, what does that mean? Does that the, the games that seem most meaningful are, are wins like over the Clippers and the Bucks? But this this will educate us about, uh, and some of the some of it might be disadvantageous to the Jazz because of the order in which they play these and and the places where they play these. How fair that is, I don't know as far as making a judgment on the team as a whole. But that's what I want to find out: Are the Jazz at a level where they can take care of the better teams in the league? And what does that mean for them? That's when we really learn whether they are the best team in the league or not. So I I think we can learn a lot about the club one way or another uh, through this stretch. I'll tell you right now, another you know long winning streak ain't happening. I mean, it's just not. I mean, there are stretches in NBA schedules that you're just not going to rattle off a long streak, and this is one of them. I mean, there's just... You know, I know this is kind of a bridge term uh, when uh, when playing in no Trump, Gordon. But you gotta. You know, there's too many stopper games. There's too many games that are that are really really difficult to win them all. And and I uh, that's not a, you know, really controversial take. I don't think. And I, I would imagine you agree with it. But I, I'm I'm curious how many headline grabbing wins does this club have in February? Because right now, uh, you know, like an 11 game win streak is certainly a headline grabbing thing, right? And the Jazz have grabbed a bunch. I've read a bunch of Mike Conley stuff coming from nat- uh, national writers. You know, uh, uh, Chris Mannix talked, uh, wrote a big long thing about how how well the Jazz are playing. Like, you know, an eleven game win streak is going to grab you a bunch of headlines nationally. Well, uh, they're not going to have that type of win streak in February, but there are a bunch of opportunities to get some headline grabbing wins. You beat the Clippers. Uh, you beat the Lakers. Um, you beat the Bucks. You beat the Celtics. I mean, the opportunity to turn some heads where people, you know, start talking about how for real this this Jazz team is. So I want to know how many of those wins that they get, given the opportunities that they have uh, to get a bunch of those. 
You know, I don't think it's realistic uh, in three games, you know, at the Clippers, at the Clippers, home to the Lakers, you know, in a four-game stretch. They're not going to win all three of those games. But can they get two? And can they do it in a headline-grabbing fashion? That's that's kind of what I'm looking at in, in this stretch. Well, Jake, I go back to my comparison with the playoffs. You generally don't see teams sweeping other teams in this in the later rounds of the playoffs. You're happy with a 4-3 situation where you can advance right and so that's what you're playing you're playing playoff teams and some of those playoff teams are what a lot of evaluators would say are the best teams in the league and so yeah the jazz aren't going to sweep these guys no just like if they were going up against the clippers in the playoffs you wouldn't expect a sweep like i said you'd be happy to have a one game advantage so that's the kind of thing looking at it realistically what it means and if the Jazz can come out of this stretch with a winning record, then then I think that's encouraging that's for uh, for what yeah for what might come next because it really is kind of like a playoff run, isn't it? A little bit. I mean, you're obviously playing different teams. Kind of crazy they're playing the Clippers back to back, but you know we've seen the Jazz play a couple teams back to back now. But yeah, I mean it, this is a run of really really quality teams. Like I mentioned, you know after you get past Atlanta and Charlotte, Indiana's nothing to sneeze at. They're playing some good basketball. We we know about Boston. We know about Milwaukee. Uh, Miami's underachieving right now, but I'd still call that a tough game. Joel right. Embiid for the Sixers is playing at an MVP level. The Clippers twice, they are what they are. You know, a little reprieve with Charlotte again, but then you got to follow that up with the Lakers. So, and then Miami and Orlando. This, it, this is just a, you know, this is a stretch where you're playing a good team pretty much every game. And, and it might be tougher. It might be tougher than the playoffs because it, at least in the playoffs, you can, you can, you can, you know, come up with some sort of game plan against the same team change things around a little bit. Of course, they don't have that same advantage, or they do have that same advantage under that scenario. But in this case, the Jazz are this, – this is what has to happen here. The Jazz have to adjust to whichever the opponent is, and we know that most of these opponents are high-level teams. And so we're going to find out how adaptable the Jazz are. We're going to find out how adaptable they are and how good they are. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think so. I, I don't think they'll struggle in this stretch, but I wonder, you know, what uh, I wonder how they come out of February. It's gonna it's gonna look you, a little different than they came out of January. But so would you would you predict a, a, a winning record? Yeah, I'd probably predict a winning record. By how much? I don't know. Yeah, because that's a lot if of good teams. If it's just by but. if it's just by a couple of games, a few, a few games, it might be. That might be impressive enough. It, it might be. 100%, I agree. All right, we'll have more coming up next. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Gordon, I know we uh, we talked some NFL football today, uh, but uh, meant to get to this story. Did you see Sean Payton gave an interview and uh, made it clear that uh, the team wants Jameis Winston back? Oh. And, of course, uh, Taysom Hill, um, I'm sure, would like to be a candidate for that job to replace Drew Brees. 
What do you think, uh, Gordo? And I know I, I feel like we've had this conversation a lot, but it still remains relevant. Is, is, Taysom, is Taysom a full-time NFL starting quarterback? I don't think so, but that's my opinion. Uh, I'm sure many BYU fans would, would think differently. He's certainly a terrific athlete. I, I just don't I, – I, I don't think that would uh, be ideal. Uh, Wait, I could be wrong on that, though. What do you think? Well, can I ask you this question? Because this is what I honestly don't understand about quarterbacks. And maybe it's because I never was one, and I know that they're the big deal and they're the most important player on the team and on and on and on. I'm sure it's a lovely ego trip. But I always wondered about this with Cordell Stewart, right, with the Steelers. Remember when he first burst onto the scene and he was slash and uh-huh, he was the yes. most athletic guy out on the field and he was catching balls and he was a, a threat for the trick play because he was a quarterback in in college and he was this he was this unique thing that other teams didn't have. And then Pittsburgh goes to the Super Bowl, Neil O'Donnell signs that big deal with the Jets, I believe it was. And uh, leaves after they go to the Super Bowl, and Pittsburgh makes Cordell Stewart their full-time quarterback because that's what he wanted. And then they go through a bunch of okay years with Cordell Stewart at quarterback, where he was nothing really to write home about. They were okay, <laughs> right? But you know, his goal was to be a full-time NFL starting quarterback when he was more valuable as the slash role. Yeah. So it, would it be too much to, if you were close to Taysom Hill, would you say, hey Taysom? You know, maybe you can be a full-time quarterback in the NFL. I don't know. But where I I do know you're really valuable is in this slash-type role where you're having major impacts on football games, but you're not necessarily QB1. You know, is that – I don't understand why quarterbacks – like, why wasn't Tim Tebow willing to be a a fullback or a a tight end or something like that in the NFL level? He could be a really unique game-impacting player, but married to the concept of, nope. I'm a quarterback, period. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I wonder uh, if somebody think... could convince Taysom of that, or is it just he's a quarterback and, and well, he has goals and that's that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I think he wants to be a quarterback. He wants to be a starter, and he wants to be a full-time guy. Um, and he's probably a very confident individual who thinks he can do that. Um, if he's given the opportunity, I, I just, uh, I'm not seeing it, but, uh, I could be wrong on that. And, but, but he's certainly effective in the way they utilize him now. Right. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. And it yeah. doesn't, doesn't coach Witt have these conversations with his players all the time. Like, uh, like Chase Hansen, like, Hey, do you want to, you want to back up quarterback or do you want to go to the NFL as a linebacker? <laughs> like, why is that such a hard conversation to have with, with somebody at the next level? You know, Taysom, do you want to be a backup quarterback in the NFL and occasionally start, or do you want to be a pro bowler and making – what is he making right now, like $12 million a year? He's not doing <laughs> that because he's a good quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And that sounds, that sounds so mean, right? And I don't, I don't mean for it to sound so mean because Taysom has, has achieved – uh, an extraordinary amount. I mean, more so than than I thought he would. But it's because he's so physically unique and has so many different types of skills. If you make him just a full time starter, you're you're telling him to not do some of that, right? All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I, you still need to have him covering punts or whatever. But <laughs> I mean, I think this this slash role for him is is 
it's what makes him special. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you completely. And uh, you'd think that people would be able to realize that and make good money doing it and enjoy the ride. But, uh, but you know, different guys are wired different ways. Does is, Do you think it's because he views it as some sort of demotion or some sort of, like, status thing? Um, it, it might. Well, I don't know if I'd say that. I, I, I just see it more as a person is, it th- views himself as something and thinks that that's what he can do, and then he wants to pursue that and uh, conquer it. And and not necessarily, quote unquote, bail out into some other role that uh, is is in that individual's mind less than that. I'd want to have an impact in the league. I'd want to have an impact on my team winning games. I I feel like that that would be the priority. And if I could make a zillion dollars in the process, then that would be great. <laughs> okay, hard to argue with what you said, Jake, especially when it's being effective, when it's effective, and it's a good way to go. And he is effective. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yes, he is. There's no uh, doubt. All right, joining us in studio, our friend Mike from Any Hour Services. And I haven't asked you this today, okay. uh, and I always ask it uh, to you because uh, you see the Any Hour trucks all over town. Yes, sir. How many are we up to? Uh, we are over over 200. I, I honestly, like, I don't always, like— I don't always text the fleet department and be like, "Hey, what 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 number are we up to?" <laughs> I just know that they're all over the place. We've got so many of them, uh, you know, from from Ogden to Nephi to Willa over to Park City. Um, th- there's a really good chance that you're gonna like run into one on the roads, and you know, think think of me. Think I, of I do every time, and I see, I do I see them all over town. I think, actually, hey. no, think. That's my solution for electrical, plumbing, <laughs> heating, and air. Don't think of Mike Wilson. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, manufacturers. You've been talking about this today uh, yeah. a lot, that they recommend to service your furnace every year, and that, of course, is the great deal that you're doing. But wh- why do they do it? Why is that recommendation in place? Well, uh, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. They they think they make a good product, but the only way for that product to perform up to its potential depends on someone else taking care of it. And so they care about their brand. They want it to operate safely. They want it to, uh, you know, last as many years as possible because that's what keeps people coming back uh, to it. And they know that the best way to do that is to actually maintain it, keep it clean, change those filters, do all those different things. And, you know, to that point, if you hate the idea of, you know, spending thousands of dollars to get a new furnace, like the best way to avoid doing that is to Take care of the one that you got. And, you know, regular maintenance, we've said it before, it's the least expensive way to get your system to last as long as possible. And it really can be the difference in, you know, a furnace that lasts 10 to 15 years. If you take care of it, it can last 20 to 25 years. Is there a good time to do it? Uh, It's a good question. I always say whenever you're thinking about it is the best time to act on it because um, out of all the owner's manuals that I've gone through, like, you know, manufacturers don't specify that you need to do it at the beginning, middle, or end of the season. They just say to have it checked out by a professional regularly. And so if you haven't done it, especially, I can't emphasize this enough, if your system's older or it's been acting up, it's not going to magically get better and start, it just decays and gets worse over time. So, you know, do yourself a favor, bite the bullet, have a professional come out and take a look at it. So at least you're going into, you know, the rest of the winter or next winter with your eyes wide open. And if you choose that, like, hey, you know, like you're talking earlier, 
my form of gambling is wondering if my furnace is going to make it through the season. <laughs> and if that's what you want to do, Mazel Tov, do it. You know, but um, you know, at least know the condition of your system. Uh, you mentioned it's uh, the most inexpensive way to uh, to extend the life of your furnace. Boy, is that true tonight? It is. And l- let me say this before I like r- review the deal. I actually, I. 100% no no lies I don't care if you call any hour services to do this I really am just trying to uh, remind you that this needs to get done so if you've got a relationship with another HVAC company hey they would love the work too and your furnace would really benefit from having this done so give them a call on the off chance that now they, they're not going to give you the same deal I'm going to give you right now but on the off chance you don't know someone give us a call we've got tons of HVAC tune up technicians that would love to come out and take care of your system normally we charge $99 to do that service. It's well worth it at that. But tonight, Zone listeners are going to be able to lock in a $70 savings and get it done for $29. Now, I've been looking at the calls coming in and talking to the office. we got a lot of people trying to take advantage of this, and Good. a lot of people are going to our overflow uh, call takers. And so we, we've been saying the whole show, like, call by 6, but we're going to open up the phone lines. As long as people are calling in for the deal, Sweet. we're going to take the calls and offer them that $29 deal. Oh, that's great. All right, so here's the number, eight. 801-443-7400. And uh, if you don't know anybody, like Mike said, you do now. 801-443-7400. And this deal can't be beat. Uh, you can get that 34-point furnace tune-up. Normally a uh, $99 value. You're going to get it for only $29. That's a $70 savings. And uh, get on those books. They're, they're pushing out the time frame a little bit, so you still have time to call. 801-443-7400. 801-443-7400. Any hour services. Always good to see you, Mike. It's always great to be. It's been too long. Too long, my brother. Have to do this again. How, how about uh, after the Super Bowl? What do you say? Uh, like right after the Super Bowl? No, no, no. Like the day after, and we'll get day. to break. Who's your pick, by the way? I told you I was going to ask you. Well, this. okay. So I'm not emotionally invested in either team. Uh, and if I were a gambling man in Vegas, I would I would bet that Tom Brady would win. Um, you know, it's just. But I again, I'm not. I've never been like a huge Tom Brady fan. Yeah. Like I, I look from a distance and be like, well, it's hard to argue with success. Like he's doing something right. And I, you know, I never actually heard y'all's taking. Maybe that we, maybe we can talk about this after to see if he actually wins. But I remember the debate being like, okay, well, this is where we find out if it was uh, Tom Brady or if it was the coach. Yeah, well, it's looking like Tom right now. Yeah, but I mean, he hasn't won yet. No, he has not won. You got to prove himself. You gotta, you gotta pay rent every day. But uh, the Patriots season was rough. What? You think over the last however many years that he went to the Super Bowl, they didn't have it rough? <laughs> no. You're going to like, oh, excuses, <laughs> Patriots. Come on. All right, that number one more time, uh, just in case you didn't write it down. 801-443-7400. 801-443-7400. Mike, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've got everything going on. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We want to say a big old thanks to Mike from Any Hour Services. He's our good friend. He takes such great care of our listeners. It was fun to hang out with him uh, today at the studio. Remember, uh, give him a call, 801-443-7400. Any Hour Services, certainly, uh, Gordo, one of our favorites. Uh, Do you think he minds when I give him a hard time and then, you know, next thing you know, he's thinking about whether he's offended his wife or not and how that's going to go and all that. Yes, I think he minds. Yeah, very much. (laughs) 
Oh, I thought we were just having fun. I don't know, man. You might want to take a step back. It's all fun until someone gets hurt, right? Right, exactly. So take it easy on Mike. He's one of the good ones. Oh, I know. We, we've always had fun with him. I won't bring up the incident on the pickleball court ever again because I did sound, it sounded a little sensitive. Yeah, we did get him in, in a bit of trouble. Uh, that's uh, That's for sure. All right, Gordo. Well, uh, hey, no jazz game tonight. You still going to take in a little NBA basketball on ESPN? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be uh, busy looking at uh, what's going on in the world so we can talk about it tomorrow. Yeah, that's good. You make sure make sure you do that. I, I'm not. I'm taking a night off from basketball tonight. I'm gonna. I'll catch up on. Uh, oh, really? On what do you, what's going to be the activity of choice? I don't know, but this uh, these last couple of weeks, uh, these jazz games have been, uh, you know, fast and furious. Couple back to backs, not a whole lot of time off. So, uh, I don't know. I I've been get. I told you the other day, I've been getting into that Jack Ryan show on uh, on Amazon Plus. I might take the opportunity to do that. But this is one of those nights where I've got to I got to take a step away from basketball for a second. A lot of basketball going on in in my world at the moment. In your world as well, but uh, every once in a while I need a little reprieve. So I might have to I have to read about it tomorrow in the trip. Okay. All right. Well, good. As long as you're fresh and ready to go, that's the main thing. So I'm going to go home. I'm going to cook dinner and uh What's it, what's uh, what's on the menu tonight? T-bone steaks, buddy. Woo! All right. Hey, when I'm cooking, Sounds I'm buying good. something that I can cook, and steak is not complicated. <laughs> Are you doing that on the barbecue, on the grill? Uh, no, I'll probably run it through the old broiler. It's a little cold outside. Uh, all right. Well, sounds good. Sounds good. What, uh, what are you going to put? What's on the side? Asparagus and maybe a little, <laughs> maybe a little applesauce if I'm feeling it. <laughs> That's it? Uh, no potatoes? No potatoes? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I'll do potatoes. I kind of got to whip it up in, in, in quick fashion. And I, I know you wouldn't know this, but t- potatoes tend to take a while. No, you can buy mashed potatoes and, and bring them home. And, and but that's not cooking. Ones, that's not cooking. Yeah, that's, heat, that's buying heat, mashed potatoes and taking them home. That's not <laughs> cooking at all. <laughs> you got to warm it up. It still tastes <laughs> okay. good. Got to warm it up. Sheesh. You see, that's the problem. You're trying to complicate it too much. No, I'm not complicating it actually because we're not having potatoes. <laughs> it's actually okay, simpl- saying, simplifying. I, I, it. I, no, I'm just saying you got a hole in your dish. Oh, I disagree, sir. It's going to be delicious. Right, well, I'm, I, it might. Well, what you what you have is delicious, but uh, you're missing you're missing. And by, I don't want to I don't want to hear uh, criticism from you, <laughs> Chef Boyardee. <laughs> Don't come here once every two years. You can't pretend to fix one meal in 20 years and then uh, criticize what I'm doing for dinner. Okay. Well, I'm sure it'll be tasty. All right. Uh, Hey, Gordo, thank you very much. Enjoy your evening, buddy. You too, man. All right. We want to say big thanks to the title sponsor of the Big uh, Big Show, Big O Tires. Save up to $190 off Michelin tires with financing.